Sabenia coaches C-suite and senior leaders who are high-will, high-skill, and have a growth mindset. In other words, they're badasses like you who go 80 miles per hour in a 45 miles per hour zone. These days, leadership is full of complexities, whether you're navigating from an audacious goal or trying to avoid that iceberg up ahead. In either case, Paris's clients choose her because she's either sat on the seats or next to those seats, often enough to know how it can feel to be alone in a crowded leadership room. She's unafraid to speak truth, to power, to help propel you forward. With over two decades of corporate consulting, coaching, and let's be honest, real life experience, Paris's key strategic difference is empathy. Empathy in business is more than being nice to one another. It's a strategic imperative. It means that leaders create context and understanding so that they do a better job of serving their customers and engaging with their teams. She's so passionate about the application of empathy in business that she's developed the Sixth Sense Empathy model for her clients to employ. And she wants all of us to put empathy at the forefront of how we engage with everybody. One of Parisa's favorite things to do is to stand in front of a whiteboard, real or pretend, to help clients imagine what the world could look like and then propels them as they navigate to this vision of success. This work enables clients to put together pieces of the puzzle to create the aha or eureka moment that ignites action. She leans into the discomfort of the unknown and invites her clients to embrace all of their talent even ones they don't recognize or value fully to create their own paths out of the unknown. Parisa Peña is a certified professional coach, holds a BA from Northwestern University and MBA from NYU's Stern School of Business. Welcome to the podcast, Parisa. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Unbossed. I am your host, Marina Malaguri. And today, my special guest is Parisa Benya. She is CEO and business whisperer at Sixth Sense Strategy. Welcome, Parisa. Hi. I am so excited to be here. This is um, awesome and amazing and all the things. So I've been looking forward to this. Uh, me too. Actually, I've been following your Friday's um, advices. I don't know. You, you, I know you have a name for it. You're going to please tell me what it is. But you have a Friday advice that you gave every Friday on LinkedIn. Yeah. And it's amazing to keep like looking oh, at it and evolving you. every Friday. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, it, the fun thing about Fridays for me on LinkedIn is um, I post these short videos. Uh, and it, it's something that just comes to me either in the moment or something that I've been brewing on in the middle of the week. And um, Friday is just that time to fire up Loom and be like, here's where I'm going. <laughs> and, then, and then we upload and we have fun with it. So thank you for that. I, uh, I appreciate the feedback. That's that's very kind of you. Of course. Um, and I'm excited to talk about your coaching business today um, and the leadership that you've brought to this business. Uh, but before we get to all of that, yeah. I always like to start my podcast with a little bit of where you're from, what's going yeah. on with Parisa, little girl. <laughs> wow. Okay. All the things. Um, so I, uh, I grew up in the northern suburbs of uh, Chicago. Uh, really good place to grow up. Uh, I was very fortunate for the education I got. Uh, then traveled to Northwestern. Wonderful education. But, uh, you know, candidly, the best education I've gotten in my life was the adulting education uh, when I lived in New York. Uh, so I moved to uh, New York to go to business school at 24. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, candidly, zero clue, zero clue what I was doing. Uh, but that those seven years I spent in New York um, really framed and created who I was as an adult, as a thinker, as a critical thinker. 
And not mm -hmm. only because of the time I spent in business school, but then also that was like the first foray into a real career, let's say, so on and so forth. And then like responsibilities as an adult, uh, I bought a place, I renovated a place. So like, it was just a wonderful, wonderful formative time. Um, fast forward to today, uh, I am an executive coach and advisor to people in uh, the C-suite. And I really think it's that time in New York that really was like planted the seeds for who and what I am today. So. Big ups to New York. If I could move back to New York in a hot minute, I would, uh, but uh, but still have a ton of love for New York. Absolutely. Uh, New York, I feel like places like New York, like maybe big companies as well, I, I kind of like equate them and say either break you or make you. Yeah. <laughs> both. <laughs> Oh, both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New York, New York was great in the sense that it made me. And I also learned some critical lessons about the types of environments I would be happiest in professionally. And that like broke me and made me all at the same time. It's like, a, like two sides of the same coin. Uh, I, I really loved uh, working for American Express. That was a place I landed after business school. And uh, some of my biggest professional mistakes also happened at American Express as well, that now with like the benefit of, you know, 20 years out, I can say, oh, you know, I, I see how I didn't navigate that as well as I would have liked, or I see how all of these were contributing factors to whatever the, um, the situation was. So all, all good things, all good Absolutely. things. So maybe let's talk about then, um, I would love to hear about, you know, like I, every executive or end coach maybe has a, a target, not a target, but like is a, yeah. a optimal, is the optimal client, right? Or a persona of client that they yeah. coach. Um, and I would love to share that with you. My, my next question was going to be after that, and I'll tell you it again. But uh, how your career relates to getting into the point where this is the client that you want to go oh, with, right? Because yeah. right? yeah. that's so important. Yeah, that's so that's important, the juicy right? stuff. It's the juicy so stuff. Start, start either from, from the beginning of like how you got to this type of client or vice versa, however you want to tell that story. But I think this is really a cool story that I want people to hear. Oh, thank you. Um, so let's talk about the people that I really love to work with. Uh, okay. I adore edgy leaders. I adore leaders that it feels like they go 80 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone without checking to see if their people are strapped in for the ride or whether they're interested in going on the destination. These are your inventors. These are your change agents. These are your pattern interrupters. So if we were going to use uh, real life examples of these people that I call badasses, an example of a badass is um, a Kamala Harris. An example of a badass is Steve Jobs. An example of a modern badass is Elon Musk. An example in history of a modern badass, if they were living today, it would be Ida B. Wells. These are the people that can be polarizing and also at the same time, they do a lot of good. Now, the reason why I love them as much as I do is um, how they are in these key critical moments is always awesome, and yet they're also very much in their own way. And because they have tremendous potential to have impact on you and me, a larger community, the world, whatever, um, I see it as my calling to be that uh, champion uh, of their mission, of their vision, and also at the same time speak truth to power to them when they are deviating from whatever that mission or vision might be. Um, I get excited by them. I think they're tremendously interesting human beings. So how did I get here? Yeah, one, go ahead. One question. Yeah, one question about that specific point. Just before we go, go next yeah. is um, if they're badasses, right? Yeah. What, what, 
what do you, what do they need right because like you see these people it's like oh they're amazing they know what they want they go for what they want they go after their uh what do they get out of the support you give them because sometimes you may even recognize yourself and you hear like yeah i feel like i'm that badass but i don't yeah. i don't need help or i don't i don't need this or that where do you come in and make it better yeah that's a great question thank you for asking it so let's be clear that i don't believe any of these leaders are broken uh, so this isn't therapy. Executive coaching and advisory is is not therapy. I'm I'm not interested in fixing what may have happened in the past. What I'm talking about is maximizing their current and future impact. Mm -hmm. And the way that they are standing in the way of their current and future impact is um, they have what I like to say uh, like a Superman complex, regardless of male or female, is that they yeah. believe that they will just do everything by themselves, that it's much easier to do everything mm -hmm. by themselves because if they yeah. were to invite people in, it would slow them down. So mm -hmm. having them learn that sometimes it's okay to be Clark Kent and not Superman, uh, <laughs> to be that average individual, to be that person who's a team player, to be that person that invites people in, uh, changing that mindset and having them understand that they don't have to be the chief executive of everything to yeah. do big things. Yeah. That if you uh, shared with people what you were trying to accomplish in this world, yeah. and you asked them for help where you might need for help, you might be surprised at the degree of interest and the degree of help that you get from people if you were to just say, would you like to help me? Or if yeah. you were to just say, here's what I'm interested in, what are your thoughts, let's brainstorm. Badasses yeah. don't remember to invite people into the conversation. Mm. That's like the multiplier factor, right? That you cannot do yeah. on your own. Um, and there's no that's way. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. And that's that's the other thing about uh, badasses. A, a subtlety is there's a, there's a hesitancy to say um, that they don't know something. There's a hesitancy mm. to say that they are not expert in something. There's this idea that there's this uh, perceived weakness if they can't do everything perfectly mm. all of the time. Uh, but, you know, the counterintuitive truth is that the quicker you say you are not expert in something, the quicker you say you're looking for someone who is an expert in whatever it is they happen to be an expert in, that's when you're going to get a bunch of people saying, I love what you're doing, sign me up, let's work on this together, and they have all of the passion. But it's, it's allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing these badasses to be vulnerable, and then um, the badasses also admitting that they don't get things right all the time. So this idea of vulnerability needing help and this idea of admitting that they make mistakes um, is extremely difficult for them. And that yeah. is once they once they capture that, once they see the, the strength in saying, I don't know, then, you know, every opportunity is available to them. So are you a badass coaching badasses? Is that what's happening here? Yes. As a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, so, That's what I thought. Uh, so what happens with a lot of coaches is that they end up coaching what they most need to hear or understand for themselves. So, yeah. you know, candidly, every coaching session I have is really me talking to myself. And then at the end of every coaching session, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious, because really, this is something I've grappled with, or I'm currently grappling with. There's no accident, like the universe is, has a tremendous sense of humor. Um, and <laughs> The, the reason why I love what I do working with these leaders is in my corporate life, when I allowed myself to work for somebody else, I was always what, and it's a word now, it wasn't a word then post-business school, I was always entrepreneurial. I was always, always asking why not. I was always testing limits. I would always want to settle some cages. Uh, and what I didn't know how to do was to redirect my energy or to channel my awesome in a way that other people would um, find interesting or useful. I thought my job was to break stuff. I thought my job was to break stuff and then make stuff. But I didn't have the environmental awareness to know how to do it, how to do it effectively, 
or when to hold back and say, not right now, uh, or if it is right now, find a different way to do it. I just went in, like I said, 80 miles an hour without checking to see if people were interested in the conversation. And so that's why I have such a calling today to work with these types of leaders based on the experience, based on what I've learned, um, and technically based on how painful it is to be that leader when you feel so fundamentally misunderstood. Yeah, because that's something that you also talk about is the fact that a corporate environment, while they need these people, they don't necessarily uh, design their environment for these people. That's exactly right. You bring up, uh, that's a very good point. So uh, having an environmental awareness of where you are likely going to shine is a good lesson for everyone to learn, regardless of modern badass. What are the values that are most important to you? Uh, why are these values so important to you? What environment yep. supports these types of values? And once you're crystal clear on that, then uh, badass or anyone else could say, all right, these are the types of places that I will gravitate to, and these are the places that I will not gravitate to. And that was also um, a mistake I made in my career, and why I'm so passionate about helping badasses today, is um, I didn't crystallize for myself what my most important values were. Mm. I just trying to, uh, I just kept trying to make myself fit into an environment. Instead of being honest with myself and say, what's important to me? Why is it important to me? And what is the type of place that will be not identical to my values, but like would support the values, let's say. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with badasses. What are the values? Why are they important? What environment do you have to be in? And also, uh, can you share your values with the people with whom you work? So that you can see where your values and their values um, support one another so that you have better, honest, more transparent working relationships. I love that. Thank you. We've talked, we've talked so much about the modern badass. Um, I may want to jump in to describe, the, maybe talk a, a few about a few of the traits of them. And yeah. then go into go back. <laughs> I know I keep saying that we'll go back to that conversation, but we'll go back to that conversation about how you became sure. a modern badass. Yeah, Does that yeah, work? Sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have fourteen traits, and yes. I know you've shared with me, but I want to let you share the news about what are you doing with the fourteen traits of a modern badass, which, by the way, can be found on uh, Parisa's website, sixcentsstrategy.com. Um, what are you making out of these? Uh, so primarily what these 14 traits are is a way to stimulate conversation because it's one thing to say, uh, I work with modern badasses. That's like, that's squishy. And so when we call out what the specific traits are, that's when someone says, oh, these three resonate with me or these four resonate with me. Um, so I'll give you an example. I won't bore everyone with all 14. Um, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite traits of a badass is that is fitfo, which is figure it the flip out. Uh, people can use other F words. I won't because of the <laughs> podcast, but figure it the flip out, which essentially means, uh, you always know how to create opportunity given whatever circumstances that you might be in. Related to uh, FitFo is uh, two ideas. One is that you are highly intuitive and that you channel your intuition and also you're wonderfully creative. So if you're the kind of person that knows how to figure it the flip out all the time, it means that you are calling on whatever your natural you know, IQ, high IQ might be, but also listening to your gut and being aware of what the universe might be telling you and also channeling your creativity to put the solution out into the world. Now, to be clear, creativity isn't necessarily that someone knows how to write or draw or sing or dance or whatever. Um, everyone has access to immense creativity once they give themselves permission to see how their creativity manifests. Yes. Um, another one of my favorite traits 
of of badasses is the awareness and the love of not only the bright side of their personality, but also the dark side of the personality. Um, One of the things, so strengths-based coaching is awesome. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that are supporters of strengths-based coaching, and it's great, It's, it's wonderful. But what strengths-based coaching doesn't spend as much time doing, focus group of one opinion, is let's talk about the dark side. Let's actually get into like the ugly stuff. So uh, what's on my dark side is under times of stress, I can be brash. Under times of stress, I can be aggressive. Under times of stress, I can be very bold. Uh, Those are things that are not attractive. I can be be mean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can can be mean too under times of stress. Now, Now the gift, the gift though, and being clear and honest about what shows up in times of stress is recognizing that those are also gifts. When you know how to redirect that energy, and when you know what the triggers are of your stress to say, oh my gosh, I sense I'm getting all of these physical cues or I'm getting all of these mental cues or whatever cues that I'm entering a time of great stress. These are the behaviors that typically manifest when I'm under stress. But where is the good in these stress-driven behaviors to help create a solution? So that's what badasses do is... Obvious strengths, great. High IQ, all the things. Creativity, intuition, they're social, great. Um, And also uh, channeling what may be on the edges to really make expansive opportunity. When we're only focusing on the bright side, it's it's like half of your vision. Or it's very, it's like ignoring your peripheral vision. It's just, it's just like this. But when you do the bright side and the dark side together, it's like this and you see all around you, almost like even almost 360 candidly. I love it. So those are, those are some examples. um, I have um, a couple of favorites. Um, How about it? Well, I definitely like the one that you say is 80 miles, you go 80 miles per hour in the 45, because that's yeah. like me in real life while on the road, you know, yeah. judge, me, judge me if you want, but also like, no, I've got a but that was interesting. So like that one, that one really is the difference between speed and velocity. So speed is the rate of travel. Yeah. Velocity is the rate of travel in a given direction. So what happens a lot of times with modern badasses is that we move so quickly, we move so swiftly, but we don't always crystallize the goal. We don't always make it clear what the direction is to the people around us that we would love to have them join us for the ride. So these people on the outside believe, well, why is she moving 80 miles an hour? I don't get it. Where does she think she's trying to go? What's the purpose? This feels like uh, a waste of time, effort, and energy. Yeah. But if we sh- but if we made it clear that this was velocity, a high rate of travel in a given direction, that makes someone say, "That's juicy. That's interesting. That's sexy. I'm like all in for this um, for this ride, and and let's have yeah. at it." Well, what happens when, or do you find that? Um, uh, that, like, what happens when we don't know exactly where we're going? You know, like, yeah. how do you manifest velocity if if you're you're you know you have to speed through potentially testing multiple things before you can arrive at the clear, pointed you know direction? That's a that's a brilliant question. Uh, that's also a function of your dark side having too much control and not redirecting the energy for good. So picking on me again, my dark side, I'm bold, I'm brash, I'm aggressive. Um, If I allow those things to run away with themselves, then that's where speed comes in as opposed to velocity. But if Mm -hmm. I say, okay, this particular thing we're dealing with, or this is what the opportunity is and we have to move quickly, all right, what do we think we can create? And how do I take 
all of my energy, good, bad, or indifferent, to move in that particular direction. So being aware of the triggers in the moment to say, oh, this, this was about to be speed, but now it's time to turn it into velocity. Oh, I love that. That's really good. Okay, one more because I really like love this one. The one that I uh, want to identify the most is you are a disruptor. You challenge yeah. the norms. <laughs> yeah, I challenge yeah. all of the norms. Oh, all yeah, of it doesn't really matter if I agree with them or not. I still challenge it. Yeah, because you're 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 questioning uh, you're questioning assumptions. Uh, challenging norms doesn't mean that you are disruptors for disruptor's sake or you feel like interrupting people. Really what you're doing there is that you're a critical thinker. You're asking uh, why not? You say, oh, who's going to take me to jail if we were going to uh, kind of do a mental exercise? Like who's going to say you can't do a test and learn approach to something? It's it's in these moments where you keep on iterating and iterating and iterating. Inter iterating is where um, innovation lives. So a, another really good example of a badass is Thomas Edison. Uh, when he was inventing the phonograph, he was mostly deaf. How he tested that his phonograph was working was that he fit into the wooden box that held the phonograph. And so the vibrations of the sound told him that the phonograph was generating sound. Wow. Like, that is someone who would not give up until he got to the point where it was a satisfactory outcome. And it was also the same thing with inventing uh, the light bulb. It's, mm. it's not that I failed, it's just that I found 10,000 ways that haven't worked yet. Yeah, yeah. And so it's this, I'm going to try and do because I think something magical is on the other side of the disruption. I love it. I love that so much. Well, thanks. All of these are super, super um, exciting to me. And um, if you go on Parisa's website, again, sixcentstrategy.com, and you Google for the 14 traits of a modern badass, you'll find them all listed. And if you identify any or all or some of these traits, please reach out to her. She's yeah, um, open open to talking and um, yeah, and I think you can you can be on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and my LinkedIn newsletter series, I've been uh, dedicating each uh, newsletter uh, lately to uh, the traits in order. So people can also find me on LinkedIn and see the uh, articles under the um, Modern Badass of Field Guide uh, newsletter series that I have. I love it. Thank you so much, Brace. Okay. Now let's talk about how you became a modern badass because I really want to learn, uh, want to share also this one. And so maybe let's pick a few moments throughout your career um, yeah. that were, I think, critical. And you've talked to me about them um, a little bit before, but yeah. I, I, I think the audience could, could hear that. Um, so, you know, starting with American Express yeah. um, and then going into Citigroup, um, worked for really quite like large companies um, and and had a lot of lessons through this whole process. A lot of lessons. A lot, yeah, of, a lot, lot of, of lessons, right? You know, the... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to wrap it up and say, um, you know, like you found your way through corporate and then finally yeah. even through an entrepreneurship and, and becoming a founder. And so I was just going to... Can we talk about your career progression and that how it became a, a thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I want to call out is that you don't become a modern badass, you just are. Now, whether okay. or not you allow that to be forward-facing or if you nurture that a little bit more, that's all choice. Um, that these are things that uh, these are things that you just are as a state of being. Uh, uh, how I learned my lesson the hard way was um, kind of like what we were talking about before is, is finding the environments that are most aligned with who you are and what your values are. And that I didn't spend enough time on the softer aspects, the intangibles of what's important to me. 
I was paying attention to the tangibles that were important to me. So post-business school, my mindset was deliver numbers, deliver numbers, deliver numbers. Uh, and actually, uh, I learned somewhere in my career, there was an acronym, DNA, deliver, deliver numbers always. And so my mindset was, all right, well, break stuff, make stuff, make the company money, uh, lather, rinse, repeat. That, that was just my job, is that I would deliver numbers. Now, how I delivered numbers, I didn't pay attention to as, as much. It was the what uh, at the time that was more critical to me. And that therein was my first mistake. The not understanding the relationship between what and how. The, the what is like the tactical doing of yeah. whatever your role is, as you know. The how is the state of being in leadership. Mm. And so there I was always wanting to be the pattern interrupter, the change agent, the person that was making donut recipes. I wasn't making the donuts. All of those things were good. And all of those things I got a lot of credit for. But where I got into trouble time and again, regardless of American Express or Citigroup, is that I wasn't paying as much attention to the state of being in my leadership. Mm. I didn't know how to ask for help to um, better direct my energy so that I would be seen, heard, and understood. So it was hard for me to crystallize and understand why it was that I would be getting, let's call it not so great feedback on my leadership style. I say, well, I'm delivering numbers for you. Why do you care? But I mean, but that is, no, you should care, right? So like the symbiotic relationship between what and how. So that was true for me. The other thing that was true is um, when you are... Uh, given leadership responsibility for the first time, whether you're managing a person or you're managing a team, that often happens because a company has decided that it's time for you to have that. But you're not always given the tools, the training, the coaching, investment, support, what have you. It's pretty much, here you go, you're a leader now, you're managing people. Good luck. Yeah. yeah, good luck, best of luck to you. I mean, it's it's well-intentioned, but the resources and the support aren't always yeah. there. And so this was something that um, now I have a lot of empathy for the people I worked with because they didn't know how to lead me. They didn't know how to help me channel my awesome, just like I didn't know how to ask for coaching, training, support, or whatever. So this is it was like a two-sided problem. They didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to ask for. Now, if I knew what to ask for and they knew what to do with me, then maybe my corporate story, my corporate professional story would have been different. But, uh, you know, there's a misattributed quote to Einstein. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and getting a different result and expecting a different result. I, that's what I was doing is that I'm like, you know, I'm doing it. Eventually, you guys will follow up with me. No, no. And so, yeah, and I mean, I, it's not that I wasn't well liked as a person. It was the style. It was too much. What? How did that manifest into actually, if you could give me a couple of examples? Uh, so I was told, and, I, and I've written about this quite a bit. I was told, and it's also in my book that, um, that I'm writing. I was told that I was the hardest person the director of my team ever had to manage like the hardest ever. And so for someone like me, when I hear that, or when I heard that at the time, now today it's different, <laughs> it, um, it felt cutting. I bled yeah. internally. It was so hurtful because oh. how it landed with me was you're broken. There's something wrong with you as a human being. Um, we can't help you. You're not fixable. Now, whether or not that was what he was thinking is not the point. It was also, it was how it landed with me. And on the other hand, it didn't matter if I was the hardest person uh, ever to be managed because it doesn't matter if that was the truth. It was the truth to him, right? Yeah. So he was, he was suffering and I was also suffering at the same time. But for someone like me, 
when, um, and my temperament, and I'm not the only person in the world to experience this, when someone like me who is by definition a little stubborn, by definition a little, a little edgy, by definition someone who rises to a challenge, by definition someone who uh, doesn't like to be told you're, you can't or you're second best, someone yes. like me or my mindset tends to double down and say, let me, you know, take off your earrings. <laughs> and we're like, well, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you how much harder I can be to manage. I can be, yeah. 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 So well, like, if you think this was hard, I've, you know, hold your, hold my beer. I've got something else to show you. You know, what's, what's funny is that um, I have felt and managed, um, uh, well, I think like in the beginning, I just want to call them like high performers because maybe they don't have all of the traits yet. Yeah. Um, and, and disruptors or innovators, yeah. whatever you want to call them. And, um, and maybe the misconception is that, like you said, they, they, on the outside in, they maybe look at me like they want to break everything and they have this rebel streak, but inside out, there's something about also wanting to be liked and accepted and, you know, yeah. <laughs> wanting to be part of the team and doing yeah. this because we truly believe in the mission and going forward and wanting yeah. the best for everyone. 100%. So 100%. Yeah, that's, and that is what distinguishes a modern badass from a, a toxic narcissist. Hmm. The, 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 someone who is a modern badass remembers every single leadership mistake it lives as a negative highlight reel that they don't wake up in the morning saying how can i piss off somebody today they don't wake up in the morning to say how can i cause a negative disruption today what they do wake up to say is i'm excited to try x i'm excited because i think the opportunity is y or wouldn't it be cool if we tried for Z? Yeah. If the intent is good, it's just the delivery doesn't always match up to the intent. And right. so what what happens is that this this idea of being rejected, to your point, it um, it cuts deeply yeah. because we know what our intention is. We yeah. just happen to do a poor job of communicating the intention. Yeah. We do a poor job of saying, these are my most important values. This is what gets me really jazzed. And we do a poor job of not asking what your important values are so that we can find common ground and work together. So yes, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, but I'm an yeah. eight on the Enneagram. And that's described as, <laughs> it's accurate and it's funny. Uh, it's described as marshmallow wrapped in barbed wire. So I am, I am super sensitive. I don't like hurting people. Uh, but I, and I, I actually do have a photographic memory of every single professional mistake I've made because they've been, it gets horrible. Like I have such regrets over how I could have done things better. Um, in terms yeah. of building relationships, but I I can't undo what was done. I can only only say at this moment in time, what do I choose to do? And I can also help other modern badasses to say, what can I choose to do in this moment to build better relationships to create the future? I love that. Okay, so um, you you were the hardest person to be managed by the director, and then and then what happened? Um, I, oh, it got know. worse. <laughs> <laughs> it got worse. It got worse because uh, I didn't I didn't quite understand it. There's um, it's kind of like uh, when little kids want to touch the flame of a candle. And of course you don't want the baby or the toddler to touch the flame of the candle. You know what's going to happen. Um, but one of my mother's friends a long time ago, she let her daughter, daughter touch the flame of a candle and then her daughter never did it again. And at the time I was like, because oh, I was a teenager and I saw this toddler do this. And I, I asked her later, I said, how did you stand it? And she said, my daughter needed to learn. So the same thing with me. I mean, I don't recommend children touching flames. <laughs> but, but the same thing. The same thing for me is I needed to touch the flame. 
I needed to feel the burn to say, why, why am I repeating the same behaviors over and over again? What happened to I learned before that I'm ready to learn in this moment? And now that I've learned in this moment, what do I choose to do differently on a go forward basis? Mm -hmm. It took me a number of iterations to be honest with myself to say, well, what actually is important to me? It took yeah. me a long time to say that my most important values are freedom, truth, justice, creativity, and loyalty. And if something feels misaligned with any of those values, that's when some of my stress-induced behaviors come out. And that how do I create environments where those five values are always present so that I show up as my best version of leadership as opposed to 50% or, you know, worse, 25 or um, 10%. So it took me, it took me a number of different experiences, not only at American Express, but everywhere other big company I worked afterwards to realize, okay, I'm more effective outside a big corporate environment than I am in a big corporate environment. That's not to mm -hmm. say that's true for all modern badasses. I've just realized for me where I am my best self is that I have my own shingle and I engage where and how I can to be the best supporter of that person in the C-suite or that person who is the SVP or the EVP or what have you. Uh, and so that's how the practice, the practice, uh, that's how the practice evolved. Yeah. 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 yeah, so uh, when I was doing a lot of consulting, I realized that I wasn't consulting. Actually, I was doing a lot of coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, well, if I were going to be my own consulting client and I were to productize myself further, what would that be? And the answer that came to me instantly was, you're a really good advisor. You're a really good strategic thinker. You're a really good coach you're really good at crystallizing what the most important things are in the playing field and ignoring the rest. What if you turn that into an advisory and an executive coaching practice? And that's precisely what I've done. And so what I am now and what I'm doing now was who I've always been. It was a matter of permission to be that person. Wow. And, um, I I know the answer, but when you speak for permission, who is giving you permission? For oh, me. <laughs> I had to give myself permission to be being the fullest expression of myself, which is really edgy. Uh, because a lot of times it's, well, how is the fullest expression of myself going to land with other people? Uh, yeah. What will my parents think if I say that I don't ever want to work for a company again, that I will only work for myself? What will people think if I say, well, I do advisory and executive coaching? Uh, what if what do what if people say, well, that's that stuff is just BS. No one needs stuff like that. So how do I stand in my power and the confidence of what I bring to the table and keep all of the outside noise out, knowing what my gift is internally? And that is that is the essence, if I do say so myself of who and what a modern badass is, is standing in your own power and being unapologetic about your power and how it's a gift to other people. That's beautiful. Thank you. So thank you so much for that, for that uh, sentence. It's, standing in power is, is a beautiful thing. Um, for anyone actually like listening, I've gone you know, standing in power and that's part of like also my podcast and, yeah. what I do here as you were talking about all of this um I kept like having like this like conflicting thought about like is there a place for modern badasses in a corporate environment it seems like so antagonistic in my life in my mind and I don't know mm. why um and if so Right. If a leader is now listening to this and identifying that maybe they do have a modern badass on their team that needs just yeah. a little bit of movement, what can they do to help? Like, what are a few tips to to just get the conversation started or get them like along a little bit better? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. And so, what I uh, would I advise all of my uh, coaching clients and my advisory clients is um, have a values conversation, have a team values conversation, have a company values depending on where we are the level in the organization. So it's a company values conversation, a team values conversation, and an individual values conversation. And it's not only declaring asking and inquiring what the values are, but asking why those values matter. And then creating the relationship between those values and what the shared team goal or the business goal might be. Because we miss a lot of content and context when we are treating each other two-dimensionally. It's, you know, you show up to work, I show up to work, you know, we work together, but we don't know what fully makes you you and it's not like we need to go back and have conversations about what happened to you when you were four years old it's you know who are you today why are you the person you are today who are you being in your leadership let's find common ground let's make sure that we have alignment around where our values are complementary and then also let's have alignment on what we think the goal is and how the goal gets accomplished. The, the, it's easy, it's easy to dismiss a modern badass. It's easy to say, oh, they're just being difficult. It's easy to say, oh, that's just so-and-so being a bull in a china shop. Let's just ignore them until their temper tantrum goes away. Um, that's a very alienating thing to do. And also understandable if you haven't been given the the coaching, the training, uh, the investment in your leadership to know how to engage with someone who might have a different style from you. Get to know them as a person. Ask them what makes them tick. Why are they passionate about whatever it is that they are passionate about? In other words, invite them into the room as opposed to making them stand just outside because you think they might be a little bit too much, too loud, too bold, too brash, too colorful. You know, if, if they are breaking the china in the china shop, maybe that china was ugly. Maybe it was out of style. You know, maybe no one uses that china anymore. Invite them in and have them share with you why it is they want to break the china that they want to break. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, what about giving them feedback? I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit more about how to handle modern badasses. Like, how about giving them feedback about their behavior in a way that doesn't make them feel even more alienated? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful question, and and this is also um, it's also a great feedback approach for anyone on your team, regardless of modern badass, is um, I'd like to do a post-mortem. It's how do you think that went? So, so we're creating a container where we're talking about a situation. We're not talking about you or me as individuals. What do you think went well? What do you think didn't go well? What what do you think are the drivers of what made it go well? And what do you believe are the drivers that didn't make it go well? Right. So peeling back the layers of the onion so that we can get to the core issue. And the way that we do this successfully is that we learn the question word. We use the question words we learned in elementary school. Who, what, which, where, and when. We, and how. We don't use the word why. The word Mm. why makes people feel defensive. Mm. So find find a way to ask a why question without putting why in there. So if you're to say, well, why do you feel that? It's that immediately makes Uh, you say, oh, but like, oh, what drives that assumption? (laughs) Or what (laughs) what drives that observation? That's the same thing as asking a why question. Yeah. How do you get to that conclusion or how do you get to that? Really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then that way it becomes a conversation where like you're, you come in together 
as opposed to everyone like, whoa, you know, where is this going sort of thing. One of my favorites is, Brisa, sorry to interrupt, but is, uh, where, did you, where did you learn that? <laughs> where, where did you learn that? Yeah. How did you learn that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so when we, when we approach each other from a spirit of curiosity, then the conversations always go much better than walking in with um, uh, an air of a judgment. Mm-hmm. And even if we walk in with a judgment, even though we're holding it, uh, let's reserve it until we have more content and context from the other person. Mm-hmm. It's so tempting to leap to a conclusion. It really is. Yeah. But a lot of times our conclusions are based on false assumptions. So let's get the assumptions on the table. And then we don't, we don't talk about a conclusion. We talk about what assumptions are true and what assumptions are false. Assumptions aren't personal, but conclusions are. So how do we separate the good conclusions from the bad ones or excuse me, the good assumptions from the bad ones and then have a conversation about those as opposed to a personal conversation. And at that point, it becomes easier for people to take responsibility for whatever actions they may have taken. Oh, I didn't know that it was X and not Y. I see how I might have made a mistake or I see how I might have contributed to X or Y or Z. It becomes easier for someone to admit they may have made a mistake. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Um, believe it or not, we're almost at time. And I know we want to talk about something that's happening um, that you're releasing soon in the next few months. I'm going to yeah. leave you the stage to do that. And we have some outros questions that I always ask in the end. So please go ahead. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So I am uh, writing my book. Uh, it's called Modern Badass Tales from the Leadership Front. I'm really excited about that. It'll be published <laughs> later this year. And also, uh, I am uh, starting, we start on June 7th, I'm doing a group coaching program for modern badasses called Inconceivable Influence. Uh, It's also on my site. And it's for people who uh, speak loudly, but aren't always heard. So the, the types of people that are highly passionate about whatever it is they might be passionate about, and yet, Um, Their messages aren't landing with the people that need to hear them. So we will have uh, six months of experience, two times a month meeting with one another so that we support each other in the high bind. And I will 100% be a member as well as the curator of the group. Uh, And also um, being able to support one another. And I'll also uh, build in some one-on-one time with all of the individual members as well. And the idea is, how do we make what appears to be impossible actually possible for these modern badasses once they are complete with a six-month program? So I'm really, really, really excited for that. Uh, Starts on June 7th, and I'm having conversations as we speak with people who want to participate. So if anyone's curious and wants to learn more, happy to have a conversation with them about it. Beautiful. And I'll leave the links in the description of the podcast. So feel free to head over to Parisa's website, check out uh, the 14 traits of a modern badass, inconceivable influence, and also Parisa's LinkedIn. Um, I have some questions for you. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, like I haven't asked you questions all for the whole hour. <laughs> I have some, some last questions. Um, what are some of the, your go-to tools that you use for success? Oh my goodness. Uh, exercise. Uh, so, uh, there is not one day where I'm either not at orange theory or I'm not going on a five mile walk, uh, because I, and that's something that I do early in the morning just to, um, get and into my body. I'm a very analytical person. And so I just need to have that physical activity to, uh, clear me for the day. So that's, um, that's one thing uh, I definitely rely on. The other thing I rely on that I recommend for everyone is to have a personal board of advisors, those people you trust, those people that will tell you the unvarnished truth. And sometimes the unvarnished truth is good. And sometimes it's, that's so good. 
it's not so good. It's, uh, it's constructive feedback. But having a personal board of advisors, I have, and um, I, I uh, love and admire them so much. They inspire me, and they also help me so much. And then the third thing uh, that I recommend everyone to pursue in, in whatever form or fashion that works for them is that everyone should have a coach. Um, mm. I have a coach. I'm part of a coaching mastermind uh, community. And having access to a coach to help you separate the wheat from the chaff uh, has um, has helped me immeasurably. And uh, I also see the impact that having a coach has on other people as well. Absolutely. I recommend it um, as well. I don't have a coach full-time personally, but I've had coaches um, on and off. And I've benefited greatly from them, awesome. from having that support. So I'm super supportive of this business. Um, and of course, I found you, and I'm super supportive of what you're doing. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. What is a um, what is a book you have gifted the most? I guess beyond your book, which is going to be the one. Oh my gosh! So there are two books that I am obsessed with that I always tell people to read. Um, one book is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and it's talking about uh, being fully in your zone of genius. It is an excellent, 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 excellent book. It's the kind of book where um, you read it, and then the second time you read it, you pick stuff up that you missed the first time around. Nice. Uh, and then the second book that I have been buying quite a bit for my female uh, coaching clients is a book called Unbound by Kasia Urbaniak. And I will send you the link so that you can share it um, with, um, with the podcast listeners. Uh, it is for female leaders. And uh, I don't wanna give too much of it away, but Kasia Urbaniak is a former dominatrix and a former Taoist nun. And she only works with women so that they are in the fullest and best expression of their power. It is an awesome book. Can't say enough good things I, about it. I my my jaw dropped. I'm like, where can I buy it today? I want to go Amazon. <laughs> go to Amazon, girl. That's exactly where it is. <laughs> I am so excited to read this. Yeah, it's an awesome book. Both of those books are excellent. Yeah. I I can't recommend them enough. My next question. My next question is usually, what book would you write? But since you're writing a book, um, mm -hmm. I'll change a little bit the question. And say, if you were not an advisor or executive coach, what do you think you would be doing in life? Okay, so uh, assuming that resources are infinite, I would have a patisserie. Uh, I have it, it's in my mind's eye, it's a bakery, cafe, there's like spoken word poetry, there's music occasionally, and then uh, there's art along the wall that people can buy, and um, the pastries wow. inside the cafe are uh, from the Middle East, and it's called the Seeds of Peace Cafe. <laughs> it's all up here, all up here. <laughs> First of all, I love that you had an answer. I was not expecting this. And second of all, I think you've just spoken it into the universe and this will happen soon enough. Yeah, it will happen somehow, some way, but it will happen. <laughs> Great. Um, my podcast is called Unbossed. And kind of like the baddest woman, I feel like there are some like synergies and energies. When you first read the name of the podcast, what did it drive for you? I was like... Yeah, I was loving the energy. Uh, I uh, also uh, also had gone through some of the uh, other ep episodes where you had interviewed some other really powerful women. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'll have what they're having. The conversation is great. Uh, highlighting different points of view and um, good conversation. Who doesn't love that? So kudos to you for all of your success. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for coming on the podcast. I would love to have you over again. Thank you. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. See you next time. <laughs> Woo! There you have it. I hope you liked this episode. And please don't forget to share, like, comment on the podcast link. 
tell all your networks and friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for guests at www.emboss.io. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. You can find all this information on www.emboss.io. See you next time. Oh, that was good.